This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. Hello and welcome to AFLW Draft Insider, a special production by the Final Siren podcast of draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company on this special edition as we take a look at the Victorians that could be taken in the 2019 AFLW Draft this October. Joining me is the editor of draftcentral.com.au. He's the man in the know of everything that's going on, particularly in the NAB League girls and boys competitions. It's great to have with us Peter Williams. Peter, how are you? Yeah, really great. Thanks, Pete. Good to be here and uh, always love chatting draft, boys or girls. It's uh, an exciting time for the young players wanting to make the next step up to the grade. And as we uh, spoke about at the top, similar to what we did last year, we're, we're breaking it in two simply because of how large the Victorian pool is. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit. And with a, you know a, a, an extra couple of teams, obviously Saints fans and, and Tigers fans now can get excited about some of the players that they might be able to pick up in the upcoming drafts and, and the ones that obviously they've already picked up. So it's going to be an exciting time. And also, we should point out, because there'll be a number of players, parents of players, friends of players that'll be listening to this podcast, that if we do not mention uh, that particular player's name, it's not a reflection on their draft chances. Yeah, no, there's just so many possibilities. At this stage, it's quite difficult to determine which way clubs will go. Last year, there were quite a few players that missed out that arguably could have got on a list and then there were some that were a bit surprised like that got on a list that probably weren't really uh, in our sight so I mean I guess in a way um, that's the nature of the draft and, and what makes it so good absolutely and for those that are new to the AFL women's that are listening to our podcast for the first time that stumbled across AFLW draft insight can you explain how this differs compared to the AFL men's draft? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, the AFL men's draft's been around for a while, so it's uh, it's an open draft aside from academy picks and father-son picks where there's bidding involved and whatnot. We won't go into too much detail, but you, uh, if you're familiar with that, it, it can get quite complicated. Uh for the women's draft as it stands, there are currently state pools that occur. Uh, right now, we've got the All of Victoria, or Vic, uh, we've got the All of Victoria, Victoria Metro, and the Geelong region um, that they can go into for the Victorians. And obviously, non-Victorians they have their state-based uh, nominations as well, which we'll probably go through in the next one. Um, but for the Victorian ones, yeah, they, they've got the multiple uh, choices that they can pick. Uh, we saw like Geelong-based players last year picking just purely Geelong. We saw someone like a Sophie Vanderhoevel uh, being able to pick uh, all of Victoria and then Geelong picked them up anyway. And then there's those that obviously might be studying in Melbourne or are determined to sort of be picked up by a metropolitan club. And, and that's the way that it goes. They just pick Metro. So that way uh, Geelong are ineligible for them. Um, and then obviously you've also got the Tasmanians who are, uh, have the priority to go to North Melbourne. So that's, that's an extra bit of added excitement there. And with the Tasmanians, you'll hear about them in our non-Victorian edition. Now, coming up on this edition of AFLW Draft Insight, we'll be going club by club through the VFLW players that we think that could get picked up, both uh, senior women's and those that played in the NAB League girls and then got the opportunity to play a handful of games in the VFLW competition. We'll then go through what picks that the AFLW clubs have and what they actually need. So it might be a case of you might want a certain player to go somewhere, but they just might not need a ruck. They might not need a back, so they may not end up there. And also, what we think out of the Victorian AFLW clubs who will come out of the draft best. But we really should recap what's happened to date because, Peter, there's been a lot going on with 
uh, delistings trade. And because, of, as you said, Richmond and St Kilda thrown into the mix, there's new club signings. Yeah, for sure. We've already seen a, a few more being added throughout the season. Um, I know from my perspective, seeing like Richmond and Southern Saints picking up the likes of Cody Jakes to Richmond and Caitlin Greiser to uh, Southern Saints, uh, their former uh, NAB League or, or then TAC Cup girl players that I was able to see grow through, they missed out. And it, it's a great, I guess, initiative for players who do miss out on the draft going, hang on, we can go back, work hard, and then potentially get on a list. And we've seen it with quite a number of players. And certainly going through here, um, there's a lot of players that are putting their hand up for the draft and pre-listings been going on, well, at the start of the year and then more recently as well. So um, it's an exciting time for those two new clubs um, because they are able to pre-list uh, players and uh, they've certainly been able to take advantage of that. Well, let's go through quickly the Richmond Football Club and who they've pre-listed. Now, this is opposed to a trade. This is who they've just signed and they didn't have to give compensation for. No doubt the biggest signing of the lot was them getting Western Bulldogs co-captain Katie Brennan. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an unbelievable signing. And obviously, they sort of... You, you can tell from all the signings they had, they were targeting their forward end and, and those that can go through the midfield. But certainly those who can hit the scoreboard and she's a terrific get. and Someone who is, I guess, in a way, a franchise player. They're very marketable. Um, someone that would be terrific to get Richmond fans into the women's football space and really getting them up and about for the 2020 season. Then as we continue our look at uh, the Richmond Football Club, they announced a group of three at once, which was Maddie Brancatasano, uh, originally came through Carlton VFLW, then Melbourne, and then went straight to Richmond. Phoebe Monaghan from Greater Western Sydney Giants. Though, to be fair, Phoebe actually played the year before with Richmond in the VFLW competition, and they also picked up a youngster in Illish Ross out of Collingwood. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite a few handy picks there. Obviously, Brian Catasano uh, was captaining the Northern Knights in, in the TAC Cup girls then. Um, she was a real prospect. Don't think she got a game in the end um, because of the, the strength of the side and then went across to Richmond. Uh, and then, obviously, Eilish Ross has been someone who's shown quite a bit of talent in Collingwood. And uh, I must admit, it was a, a bit disappointing from Collingwood perspective uh, to lose her because she was quite a talented player. And I know at that stage, uh, under Wayne Siegman, who was then in charge, that they were really looking at the youngsters that were coming through and they were trying to build around that. So to lose one of them was a big blow. Um, also, they picked up from Greater Western Sydney, uh, Christina Bernardi, um, former also Collingwood footballer, if you, if you go all the way through that. Um, so that was their signings um, from AFLW clubs without having to give compensation. We'll talk about the compensation and trades in just a moment. For the St Kilda Football Club, otherwise known as Southern Saints in the VFLW competition. It was great to see them get some of their players back that played for their first year in VFLW then went elsewhere. I speak of Alison Drennan, who they picked up, Rhiannon Watt. Um, so they were respectively with uh, North Melbourne and Carlton. Uh, they also managed to pick up Darcy Guttridge out of Collingwood. So another Collingwood youngster that uh, got uh, got nicked. Um, Selena Carlson, uh, who was at the Western Bulldogs, came back to St Kilda. And then they picked up Nat Exxon. Now, that was gold. They didn't have to give up anything for Nat Exxon out of the Brisbane Lions. And then on April 18th, they announced three players. Cat Phillips out of Melbourne to give them some speed. Jess Sedenry out of Adelaide. And Courtney Munn out of North Melbourne. It's quite interesting. I think they took two different approaches, Richmond and the Saints. Richmond went for players, while they do have a, a fair bit of young talent coming through that they did recruit in that list, um, they went with a couple of real big headliners that pretty much anyone, like everyone knows Katie Brennan, whether you're female, male, any, any kind of uh, following, you know who Katie Brennan is. And, and that really got them going. And for Southern Saints, they picked up a lot of players that have been... A 
part of the club. They know the culture, the the structures through the VFLW system, and they also picked up quite a number of, uh, I guess, uh, young players or, or almost moneyball selections, ones that I think are very underrated, and it'll hold them in good stead going forward. Dare I say the star name at the Saints is actually the coach, Peter Searle. Yeah, oh, well, when you, ha- when you have that kind of coach, it's you know that regardless of what the list is like, it's going to be um, probably overperforming, if anything, um, just because of her abilities. And we've seen it this season. She's probably had less AFLW or at least less experienced AFLW players on the Southern Saints list than what she's been able to do has been terrific. Now, these are the trades that the new clubs had to partake in. Uh, For Richmond, they did two trades. They got Sabrina Frederick out of Brisbane for pick 12, and the Lions would have been happy with that as they try to manoeuvre ahead of the uh, Gold Coast Suns in the draft. And then this is the interesting one. They managed to get from the Western Bulldogs, Mon Conti, which they had to give up pick one for. The story I heard out of that was the Bulldogs caught wind that Richmond wanted Mon Conti. And if she went early enough, no compensation. They get nothing for it. So what I got told is they knew that Tiana Ernst was going to Queensland for work. So they tried as quickly as they could to stitch up that deal with the Gold Coast Suns. And once that was done, the cap of four players you could lose without compensation was done. And therefore, they knew that Richmond had to come to the table for Monconti. And that ended up giving them the gold lottery ticket. Pick one. Well, yeah, that's that's a very smart move. Uh, obviously, the Bulldogs' uh, hierarchy there doing that that kind of deal, and um, I bet no doubt um, Tiana Ernst in that deal would have been maybe a bit surprised that they were trying to rush her on that quickly and, and whatnot. But obviously, going up there helped, and um, a bit of great business really. We see it in uh, all kinds of sporting clubs, but that's terrific to see for the Bulldogs, and now they hold that pick. For St Kilda, they picked up Kate McCarthy. Again, uh, Brisbane getting pick 11 in compensation, so really helping in their case when they're trying to battle with the Gold Coast Suns over the best youngsters available out of Queensland. And uh, also, they picked up uh, Emma Mackey. Um, And when they picked up Emma Mackey, they also got as part of the deal pick 24 and pick 30. The Western Bulldogs got pick 9. Yeah, so the Bulldogs obviously are, are getting some high picks. They're almost doing a bit like Collingwood did uh, last year, they realised they lost quite a few quality players. Like, you, I mean, Katie Brennan and, and Mon Conti are a couple of absolute genuine superstars. So to lose them, you know that you're probably in that rebuilding phase a little bit. So they've gone for high picks. They know they can, with with the talent coming through the under-18s, that over the next few years they'll be able to replace them with that talent. Um, so it's a great idea to go forward. And we saw, like, Collingwood's young talent is really shining VFLW, and, and that's through them going to the draft. So it's a, it's a great idea for the Bulldogs. And the Saints also got Claudia Whitford uh, from Melbourne, and they picked up six, pick 63 in that deal. Melbourne got pick 54 and 72 in that one, so some minor housekeeping there. Um, the only um, two other uh, trades of note, at least for the Victorian clubs, was uh, Melbourne got from the Western Bulldogs Libby Birch, a good pickup with pick 77. In return, the Western Bulldogs picked up a handy player in Ashley Guest, got pick 8 and pick 48. Yeah, so as we spoke just then, it's yeah, they're targeting that top end of the draft and there's quite a bit of talent, as we know, um, and obviously some considerations for them too when it comes to special, uh, maybe a father-daughter selection there. So they've got a, a fair bit to consider heading into the draft, but it's um, it's great. Melbourne got an extra experience back um, and, yeah, like we know they're very experienced, but they would have been disappointed with the season this year, um, ready to bounce back next season. And the biggest trade of all... Um, for the Collingwood Football Club. It's interesting. 
Collingwood pick up from Carlton. Brianna Davey, pick 67 and pick 82. But you got the feeling they were held at gunpoint by Carlton because Carlton got in return, pick 2, 26, 44 and 59. Yeah, they pretty much gave up their entire draft uh, lottery uh, there. They, they won't be picking for quite a while. But, I mean, as uh, I know Penny Cooler-Reed said numerous times uh, and said to me that, you know, Bree Davies worth every pick in the world because of her, not just what she produces on the field, but what she produces off it, her leadership, uh, her ability to fit right in. They've genuinely got, you know, a top five player in the league just slotting straight into the midfield. And realistically, that's what Collingwood's needed for a couple of years. They've had a couple of pretty solid midfielders. Um, they went, obviously, forward in the first year, and they they built on that, getting a heap of draftees last year. So now it's time to get some experience. And to be honest, someone like a Bree Davies slotting straight in, you know, she'll be in best and fairest contention. It gives you that extra genuine superstar, um, not just now, but in the future as well. Uh, so, look, it, it's a great sign. I think in the end it's a win-win. I know as a Collingwood fan at first I was like, oh, no, that's a lot to give up. Like, as, as genuinely um, great as Bree Davey is, but looking at it now, you can see the impact she's had on the Collingwood group already, and, and it's going to be a win-win for both teams, I think, in the future. As we go quickly through the retirements and delistings, I'll start with the retirements first. Um, from the Collingwood Football Club, Cecilia McIntosh retired at the age of 40 and, believe it or not, finished in the top three in the Lambert Pierce medal. Great, great form this season. It's remarkable. In the VFLW, you kind of feel like tapping on the shoulder going, look, are you sure you want to retire? Um, Courtney Gum as well um, retired from Greater Western Sydney, which was a shame to see on the only two seasons. Erin uh, Hoare is a technical retirement uh, out of Geelong. She's given up at the moment because she's over over in the UK and will soon then move to Boston, the United States, as part of her work. Um, then also, as we go through, uh, Bella Air has retired, I believe it was to join the police force. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Ruby Blair from the Brisbane Lions has retired. Jenna McCormack is also another technical retirement. She says she's retired from football for now to concentrate on W League. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have a lot of, um, you know, dual sport or even more than dual sport athletes that... Um, want to make the most out of their careers, whether it's just in one sport or multiple sports. And obviously, you've got like Mon Conti that is able to play both because of the way the seasons pan out. But obviously, when it becomes uh, longer seasons, that's where other things will have to come in consideration and, and there might be more uh, decisions to make down the track. But for some players, obviously, they um, they might see that it's their chance to make it big in another sport and that's where they opt to go. Uh Amelia Mullane, otherwise known as Millie Barden, has retired, I believe, to start a family. So uh, congratulations to Millie. Uh, and also Hayley Wilds was a late retirement announcement on the 29th of August because of work. You'll probably end up be dealing with her at some stage on the basketball side of Draft Central because she's actually taken over a uh, media role with Melbourne United. Yeah, yeah I, I did see that when I saw her name, uh, when they listed all, uh, sort of the uh, the listing of everyone involved, I was like, hang on, that's a familiar name. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how she goes there and um, in her role and obviously good luck to her um, crossing across the sport and um, see how it all goes. Just recapping the delistings and these players will be touching on again as we go through the VFLW sides but uh, delisted uh, out of the Victorian sides uh, Moana Hope from North Melbourne that was a very public delisting as well. Mo actually announcing it rather than the club. Uh, for Carlton they delisted Shea Orley, Kirby Bentley, Rennie Hicks and uh, Bridie Kennedy. Uh, for North Melbourne they um, delisted Georgia Nanscarwin uh, or Nanscorn should I say uh, Madison Smith and Jesse Williams. Western Bulldogs delisted Tessa Boyd and Jesse Davies. 
Carlton at the time on the 25th of April uh, delisted Tilly Lucas, Rod, Courtney Webb. Um, also, the Collingwood Football Club delisted Nicole Hildebrand, Melissa Kyes, Jordan Membry, Georgie Parker and Holly Whitford. Geelong delisted Hannah Birchall, Mia Ray Clifford, which caught a lot of people's by surprise. Uh, Elise Coventry, uh, Megan Fogus, and Hayley uh, Trevine. Melbourne uh, delisted Jordan Hickey, Brooke Patterson, Talia Radden and Ashley Woodland. And that led us into the free agency period um, on the 30th of April. We saw a bunch of signings come out of it. Uh, Richmond were quick to pick up Geelong's Hannah Birchall. Yeah, it was one one of the very early signings there and um, really good for them to try and just pick up you know, a, a, an extra experienced player. Uh, obviously, it's the last period before they can um, get to the draft. They've got some pre-listings, but other than that, uh, they were able to get someone. Again, it's sort of like that money ball approach of getting someone who might not have found a role in, a, in another club or was let go and they've pounced. For the Fremantle Dockers, um, as much as we're focusing on the Victorian clubs, they actually picked up a Victorian in Mia Ray Clifford. This is probably the most uh, biggest surprise for me because, from what I understand, Mia Ray Clifford thought she was going into a meeting to sign an extension with Geelong and then was said, uh, we no longer require your services. Yeah, that that would have to be awkward because most players, obviously, in sport would know one way or another going into a meeting. So to actually think one thing and then go uh, turn out to be the other, it would be quite a quite a huge shock, really, for her. And finally, for the uh, St Kilda Football Club, uh, they picked up two very good players, in my opinion. They picked up a former Hawthorne captain uh, out of Collingwood, Melissa Kyes, and they also picked up from Carlton, Tilly Lucas-Rod, who had a very good uh, finals campaign for the Saints. Yeah, well, how, how good have they been this season? Like, it, it's just great experience. And again... Um, when you bring in a lot of players, you know you're going to get a lot of draftees or younger players to have that experience. Um, as we mentioned off the top with the Saints, they picked up players that were previously on the list, but they might not have been as experienced as other AFLW players. So to pick up a couple of really experienced players is um, really great for them going forward. So we have a look at the rookie signings that were done um, during the year. Um, a number of the clubs already using up their full complement, uh, retaining some rookies that they had from last year. But for the Victorian clubs, uh, the key theme is cross-coders, particularly a lot of Irish women being picked up. Uh, we had Joanne Doonan uh, out of Gaelic football, out of um, out of the cross-coders program. Ashling Sheridan, who took part in the original 2017 cross-coders program, actually played a couple of games with the NT Thunder. It was so impressive. Collingwood just went yep sign on the dotted line here yeah well that's always a, a benefit and it shows obviously they are uh, they might have thought other clubs were sniffing around as well so they thought we'll just get in here before they can and take the punt it's a rookie selection nothing really to lose so uh might turn out to be a pot of gold really for north melbourne they uh, got uh, aileen gilroy and uh cue the wwe music for the big show they're calling her emirate showiger <laughs> Well, it should be interesting. Bringing that kind of, uh, I guess, excitement to the league and, and having those nicknames is always great publicity and it'll be interesting to see how she goes. Uh, Richmond actually picked up a volleyballer in Gabby Seymour who's had, uh, from my point of view, an outstanding VFLW season. Yeah, she's been one of the impressive ones for the Tigers and um, someone who I think will... Um, be quite interesting as how she goes after that full season because we saw an example Shani Layton only having that shorter preparation up to her footy season so to be able to pick her up play some VFLW games in advance and then come into the AFLW season with that experience she'll be better for it the Western Bulldogs picked up Katie Heron a Gaelic footballer out of the Crosscoders program 
and the first ever player of the United States Australian Football League to be signed to an AFLW rookie contract in Danielle Marshall. Yeah, look, it's been terrific. Uh, you know, she, it's a great story. Hopefully there's more that come along. And, and not only that, it boosts the American um, side of things, the league. More players will want to play because they can see, hey, we can play in the, the bigger leagues if we work hard enough. And it's, it's a terrific sign to see. And, and as we sort of heard um, during the week at the press conference, the, they're really, really happy with how she's coming along. It's been terrific. I remember chatting to um, uh, one of the people behind the scenes from the Crosscoders because there was a little bit of cr- criticism that the Crosscoders was just a heavy on Irish talent. Um, they even dominated the original camp in 2017. There was just a worry of, oh, okay, is this thing going to be just a pipeline for Irish talent? Because we're talking about, well, how do we get to the British or another European or how do we get one of the Americans up being from the US or Canada? And one thing they said to me, the Crosscoders, uh, um, Marshall did express interest in the Crosscoders program, uh, didn't go through it. Cameron Richardson ended up being her contact when she came to Australia. Um, the Crosscoders said they wanted to find the best American possible because they said the first one through the door has to be good. Yeah. Because if the first one isn't, then that's it. Then everyone will go, nah, the Amer- Americans are a waste of time. Let's just keep an eye on the Irish. If the first American coming out of college sport is good, then that opens the doors. and That makes everyone change their mindset of, okay, there's some talent to be found here. Yeah, well, certainly you can just imagine that if uh, Americans start turning to Aussie rules football, the draft pool that you would have considering the population of America. So it would be a real rich source, um, I guess, of players and potential draftees in the future. Well, if if you look at the two things combining, the Americans and the Irish, as we talk about the Americans, once they hit 21, 22, the amount of women coming out of the college sports system with zero opportunities to find a at least semi-professional contract that could easily turn to the sport as we're seeing in Ireland with all the Gaelic footballers after with due respect to Laura Corrigan Jaray uh, who was you know when she was drafted she was in Australia the first one really through the door was Cora Staunton to come straight from Ireland once she came through the door and did well and then all of a sudden Ailish Gonsadine ended up winning a premiership with the Crows Bang, all of them looked at it and went, okay, Gaelic football is an amateur sport. Now we have a semi-professional contract opportunity. Yeah, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, in any profession, money generally talks. And um, and also, if you can see that they're able to adapt and play well at it and feel like they're playing a role and succeeding at something, then, of course, they're going to want to come across. And it's great to see more international players getting involved. You're listening to AFLW Draft Insight, a special production of The Final Siren by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Been playing for a while, sweet kicks. Because footy makes you smile, sweet kicks football. If you're getting ready for the trial. Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football 
You're listening to AFLW Draft Insider, a special production of the final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Peter Holden and Peter Williams here with you. We're about to go through club by club the VFLW clubs and who the players that could be drafted out of there. That includes some of the NAB League girls that have had the opportunity to play uh, in the VFLW this year. But we should mention, Peter, and, and we will recap at the end, not all of the NAB League girls that are possibly going to be drafted uh, played a game in the VFLW this year? No, some of them uh, didn't get through. Uh, some were on lists, some got injured. Um, others that did, didn't quite make it through, but it, it doesn't mean they're, you know, their draft chances are over. Um, some of them were injured. So, I mean, they've all got chances to get through the draft, and if they don't, then, of course, there's next year as well. So, um, And obviously, we've seen some players drafted out of local leagues as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Well, let's first of all focus on the Collingwood Football Club. We're going to go by ladder position at the end of the home and away season. Uh, we begin first, and we'll look at some of their NAB players. Uh, Gemma Lagoya out of the Oakley Chargers. This is what uh, the Collingwood Development Manager in Lachlan Harris had to say about Gemma. Yeah, Gemma's great. Um, you know, coming off a pretty you know, decent national campaign and just really good by foot, Gem. Uh, has this you know, inability just to read the footy over the back and get to the fall of the ball. Just seems to be at the right place at the right time so really exciting yeah the first thing I noticed uh, about her last year in her bottom age year was the first thing I wrote down was elite uh, foot skills she's unbelievable when she gets time and space and she'll just cut you up um, playing off half back through the middle and obviously she spent time forward as well she's terrific with the foot skills and what's really good is this season she's worked on her defensive work as well she's laying a lot more tackles really building on her game so yeah she's a very damaging player Another player as well is Nicola Zenos. Um, I saw her on the preliminary final at uh, Northport Oval. And prior to that occasion, probably hadn't done too much. And even Chloe Malloy admitted in our post-game uh, interview, she came up to us and she, she said she virtually challenged Nicola, saying, right, if, if you're going to make an impact on the scene, today's the day. You've got to step up. And she did. She kicked a great goal in running traffic and lifted her game to another level. She seems to be one of those players where you've really got to put the challenge to for her to step up. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much been a theme through the NAB League girls. She's a player whose best is good enough. Uh, it's just been the inconsistency because she can break the game open. She's played off half-back, played on a wing, played up forward. Really good utility. Uh, just getting that consistency into her game. But, you know, she can use it well. Um, like uh, we spoke with the Joya there that she, you know, she can use it well when she's got time and space. But certainly she's a player that when she plays well, she's very damaging. A third Oakley Charger that's been playing at the Collingwood Magpies has been Alana Porter. Again, this is Collingwood Development Manager Lachlan Harris. I'm really excited about her. Um, so she'll run through the midfield rotation with us today. Um, she is just one of these people that just beams happiness and beams radiance. And she's just got this in ability to go hunt the footy, tackle, um, and yeah, just always happy. And I know she's going to give us a contest. Yeah, lightning quick uh, is the best way to describe her. She's um, usually plays off a wing uh, in the NAB League girls for Oakley and she just went and no one could catch her. So she's lightning quick. Um, you know, she applies defensive pressure. Uh, didn't end up going up to the national champs representing Vic Metro, but I thought she was um, pretty solid throughout the year. A few things to work on, sometimes her kicking. Um, but certainly when it comes to like her athletic traits and her defensive pressure, she's right up there with the best. 
We go through some of the senior players on the uh, Collingwood list. We first of all look at their captain in Grace Buchan, who's had the responsibility uh, fostered on her shoulders this year and has done very well amongst an elite group, particularly when she's having to play along the sides, along the sides of Brianna Davy, Chloe Malloy, and when the AFLW captain in Steph Kiochi is playing, um, was instrumental in their win against Richmond, that famous one after the siren when Sophie Alexander kicked the goal. It was Grace Buchan who got two possessions going right down the guts, saw, read the ball west best, since the occasion and lifted to that occasion. Uh, Jasmine Ferguson and also Nicole Hales, a couple of defenders coming off the back line. We know a number of clubs are looking for defenders at the moment. They are experienced and, and Collingwood don't actually concede a lot of points if you if you have a look at their stats throughout the year. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously Jasmine Ferguson's one who came out of Gippsland Power last year, showed some signs. She actually showed more signs in the VFLW last year than she did in the NAB League. So it was great to see her step up to that next level. Was unlucky not to, to get a gig last year. Um, has consolidated herself in the VFLW and, and really put her name forward. And they've also got an Irish woman there in uh, Ashling Curley. Uh, we managed to chat to Ashling uh, halfway during the season. We asked about um, how she felt going into the draft because the, the tricky situation is Collingwood cannot sign her as a rookie because they're two rookies from last year. They've retained and signed to rookie contracts again. Then they signed another Irish woman, as we mentioned earlier, Ashlyn Sheridan out of the NT Thunder. So they can't directly sign her. She has to go into the draft pool. And this is what Ashling had to say about that. Yeah, I suppose um, it's, it's, it is a bit up in the air at the minute. Um, but um, I kind of haven't really, really thought much about um, kind of what that looks like for me. I'm just trying to progress um, as best I can um, and improve as best I can um, as, a, as, a, as a player. Um, and kind of whatever happens, happens. Um, I kind of decided to come out here and take that chance to, to play footy, not knowing exactly what was going to happen. So I just kind of have to keep that, that open mind coming into the draft. And um, yeah, whatever happens, happens. And I'll be either way, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm glad I, I came out and made that move um, in the first place. And one thing that Lachlan Harris did tell me um, off air uh, during the middle of the season, one stage, Ashling was averaging something like eight or nine tackles a game. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. If If you're still learning the skills of the game as well, the one thing that you can easily teach is tackling. Now, obviously, technique's another thing, but to have that defensive pressure and that want to, you know, win the ball and win it back, that's the first step. And and once you've got that, you can teach the rest. So it's great to see she's got that defensive pressure. Let's talk about the Southern Saints. Of course, they are the VFLW feeder club to the St Kilda Football Club, both being coached by Peter Searle. Um, as I look through their list, they haven't actually relied too much on NAB League talent. They've already got some NAB League, NAB League players, such as Molly McDonald out of the Stingrays, but they've already been pre-signed to St Kilda. Yeah, so the couple that were pre-listed, Molly McDonald and Isabella Shannon, um, look, they're, they're great players. They're terrific uh, talents that are coming through there, and um, they've already shown they can stand up and, and be as... Uh, I guess, impressive as the uh, senior players that have played AFLW. Molly McDonald, terrific leader, captain the Stingrays, um, knows how to find the goals, um, just does the one percenters. Like, she might not have the best stats, but you look and she, the amount of time she puts her body on the line, it's just terrific. And Isabella Shannon, um, fierce tackler, loves um, getting around the ground, loves mowing down players, uh, can hit the scoreboard, but can also play in defense. So they're really versatile players. And um, to be honest, I expect them there from round one if they're fit. As we look at the defensive lineup, which is probably what they're hoping to sign, but maybe picked out of by other clubs, we start with Kelly O'Neill, youngster wearing the number twenty. Uh, Kelly, that we've seen in a couple of games at Sandringham, which uh, we know beach able very blustery conditions down there, um, took an extraordinary amount of marks and just reads the ball incredibly well in flight. 
Yeah, she's a smart player and someone who um, obviously you need that. If you can read the play and you've got that footy IQ, you know you're able to develop a lot quicker, even if there's technical areas that you have to work on. To have those, uh, I, I guess, those smarts at such a young age, it's really great for um, coaches and the development of the player going forward. Now, what's interesting is Frankie Hocking on the Southern Saints list. Now, uh, officially her name is Francesca Hockey, but everyone knows her as Frankie Hocking. Um, for Frankie, um, originally out of Great Britain, has represented the GB Swans in the International Cup. Uh, out of the AFL Sydney women's competition out of Newtown and had come second last year in the AFL Sydney women's best and fairest uh, as a centre-half forward in a struggling side. And apparently she'd trained a number of times for the GWS Giants as part of their trained on squad, but the Giants showed no interest whatsoever, which left us scratching our head of why wouldn't you want a tall centre-half forward? So she's relocated with her partner down to, I think, Frankston Way. With the Southern Saints, showed some really good form um, earlier in the year, and then an ankle injury occurred. Um, has only had one game back since the ankle, and when she's tried to go through a fitness test later in the year to try and come back, apparently the ankle just wasn't standing up well to contact. Yeah, so that's ne- never a good sign. Um, hopefully she's able to recover from that, but certainly the signs she showed earlier in the season uh, were promising. And more importantly, it's great to see someone who's might have gone from a, I guess, in fairness to the Sydney League, probably that uh, lower standard compared to VFLW, um, to come up and then actually perform at a high level in the VFLW shows that, hey, it's not just me playing at a low level or anything like that. I'm willing to, you know, take the challenge up and play at that higher level. We spoke to Peter Searle, the coach of the Southern Saints, during the year about Frankie Hocking and her switch as well. So instead of playing at centre-half forward, how Peter moved Frankie to playing deep in defence. Frankie, uh, you know, she's hard to play, hard to play against. Um, you know, her ability to shut down and lock down, uh, you know, and, and it's gone to show that prior to this week we haven't had that many goals scored against us. So, um, and a lot of that, you know, at times is, you know, uh, what happens on the last line of defence. So, you know, we just think that's where Frankie's attributes are. Um, you know, and coming from a soccer background, she's used to be able to seeing the game in that way. The Western Bulldogs and the VFLW players that they've got. Now, this is very, very interesting because if you look at it in one aspect, and we'll talk about later on about the draft picks they've got, they're going to be very, very active in the draft. And the great thing for them is the youngsters and their senior women playing in VFLW have really gone up a notch. They made the grand final on the back of not having to play throughout the finals. Players like Ali Blackburn, players like Isabel Huntington, Hannah Scott, Bonnie Duguid, Deanna Berry, Lauren Spark, and I could go on. That's off the back of a strong VFLW list. Yeah, and it really shows how much talent um, they've got through that list, uh, VFLW and from the Nablee girls. I know when I looked at the Nablee girls and which clubs they've been assigned to, even though most of them are assigned based on their regions, uh, I looked at the four players they had and went, oh, this is going to be very interesting, even though one of them didn't quite get there but um, to play a game. The other ones I looked and went, yeah, this is going to be a very, very talented list. Well, let's start by having a look at those players. Uh, I'll begin, first of all, by the... GWVV, uh, pardon me, Greater Western Victorian Rebel players um, in Allawood and Sophie Molan. Both of them have played uh, f- uh, finals football with the Bulldogs. And even though they haven't been what I call the absolute star players of the side, they're certainly not the bottom six. They're right amongst the mix. Yeah, and they're, they're two different 
types of players. Uh, uh, Ella Wood is an absolute tackler machine. Like, she'll just give you a contest. It doesn't matter. She's not a huge disposal winner at the best of times, but she'll just give you an absolute contest, and she's just hungry for the ball. Um, she basically scares opponents into coughing up the ball because she just hunts them, has had some injury problems, so... Um, that's been a bit disappointing for her, but she's only missed the one game this year uh, in, in the NAB League girls. Uh, missed out on the national champs last year because of the injury. Played this year and was quite um, strong through there. And then you've got Sophie Molan, who is probably one of the most underrated players in the NAB League girls. She captained the Rebels, a real leader. And what I love to see, outside the fact that she's strong overhead, can play anywhere on the ground and hits the scoreboard, her leadership is beyond anything because there was one day up at uh, Mars Stadium where they were running onto the ground. Before the coaches even came on, she ran the pre-game drills. She actually ran them, got them all organised, told them, no, you run here, you run there, okay, you do this. And it was like she was a coach already. And the fact that she wasn't even 18 says how much leadership this girl has. And that just impressed me beyond anything because that's when the coaches came on later. But she was able to run the whole pre-game everything. It throws up an interesting question when you've got someone like Sophie Molan. Um, which if she does obviously play for the Bulldogs and get some AFLW games, for someone that's showing that leadership skills, even if she doesn't immediately go into the AFLW leadership group, do you look at someone like that? Because let's be honest, the VFLW really is the reserves, and I know they usually like to give to a VFLW listed player the captaincy, but do you acknowledge that leadership and you turn to someone like Sophie and go, you know what? During the winter, we want you to captain the VFLW side. Yeah, well, it'll be very interesting, depending on the group, of course, because yeah, you have to yes, wonder yes, yeah. wonder how they'd take it with an 18-year-old or 19-year-old captaining them. But I'd certainly have her at least as like a vice-captain type or yeah. someone who perhaps could work off one of those more experienced players because, you know, she's well and truly right up there with the best leaders in the comp, particularly from the uh, teenage perspective. Now, let's talk about some players from the Western Jets. One didn't play a very big name, which we'll mention in a moment, but Elizabeth Georgia-Stathis out of the Western Jets playing for the Western Bulldogs. Um, at the time of when the press conference was held for the VFLW Grand Final, Michaelia Ward mentioned at that stage, she spoke to uh, the father of uh, Elizabeth Georgia-Stathis and, and went, do you know that every time Lizzie plays on the side, you don't lose? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a, that's an interesting fact because obviously um, they didn't have a lot of wins at the Jets, but it was certainly in no short, uh, I guess, blame on her because she was absolutely terrific this season and she was improved. She's probably the most improved player in the comp and she won the Jets best and fairest as a bottom major last year. Um, and last year when I looked at her, I, I thought, look, she's got some talent, sometimes rushes with ball in hand. That inside midfielder, she tackles, yeah, she's got some okay traits, she's all right. This year they went, we're going to put her at half back, and she just dominated. She went to half back, she'd help out in the midfield, but she just rebounded everything, and it saved the Jets on a number of occasions. And she just kept working on that um, that kicking and, and ball skills and everything like that, and she really built up her game to the point where you go, no longer are you just, you know, say, a run-of-the-mill inside midfielder. You've got some serious talent. Like, you're able to use the ball a lot better. You're able to win the ball in different positions. You're just a player that has a real good upside. And she showed it at, at the National Under-18 Championships as well because she was able to be one of the better players there for, for Metro. And she's one, in my eyes, that has completely, um, you know, gone from someone who's pretty solid or pretty good that might get drafted to someone, in my opinion, that certainly deserves to get drafted based on her year. Let's talk about the biggest name that the Western Bulldogs want that uh, didn't play VFLW this year, Isabella Grant. 
the daughter of Chris Grant. Everyone's drooling about her. They go, she's going to the doggies. She's going to the doggies. Take away the father-daughter for a moment. If she was just a player that was just thrown into the draft, where would she realistically go? Oh, well, I'd definitely have her in the top 10. I think there are probably, uh, in my opinion, from the Victorian pool anyway, there's three players that are above the rest, and then she's in that next bracket, which, you know, she's in there with your Sophie Mullins and whatnot after that. That's probably in the next little bracket straight after that. Um, And and look, she's got a lot of talent, uh, can play through the midfield, through forward. She's that good size that's not quite key position, but she can play if she wants to. Um, Good leap, good grab. Uh, good kick for goal. Um, she's generally a midfielder that can play forward. I, I found it interesting at the national champ. She was basically pigeonholed as a deep forward. I don't know if the Bulldogs might have had a word to the Metro <laughs> coaches to say, just settle down, keep yeah, her down yeah. there. Um, but that's why her stats wouldn't have looked that impressive at the champs. But that's why she was basically a permanent forward where uh, when she plays midfield, she's able to rack it up and Look, she'll be a very good player for them going forward. Now, the official line is that she didn't play for the Bulldogs um, during the year because she wanted to concentrate on studies. Do you think there might have also been an element of if we play her and she does well, there could be some unbearable hype around her, so let's just put her in cotton wool and let's just roll her out come AFLW. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a sign of... We, we saw that last year with with some players. Like, particularly, I know Falcons tended to do it last year. Not so much this year, but for the really top players that were going to get drafted, they wanted to keep them just, um, you know, playing local leagues or, or under that, I guess, shade of not having that huge publicity. Uh, and it'll be the same for Grant. Like, obviously, if you know that they're going to get drafted, you don't have to put them out in the spotlight. The VFLWs, particularly for players um, that aren't I guess, guaranteed to go to clubs or those that are, it gives them another chance to go up to another level just to test themselves and see whether they're, say, a mid-draft pick or a top-end pick. Um, But for someone like a Grant, I don't think she had a lot more to prove and I think they know just about where she is and, um, yeah, it probably only hurts their draft chances if she goes in and, and dominates, so... Um, it's probably a smart move, both from player and from club. Looking through the senior-listed uh, VFLW talent that the Western Bulldogs have got, they've got Mary Sandrell, who's been a hard at it uh, midfielder, uh, something that clubs may look at at a later round draft pick. Uh, McCallie Ward, which I put down there, but it'll be interesting to see what her situation is because she's actually moving up to the Northern Territory. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing her um, play up there and how she goes. Could should go pretty well and... Um, I guess it's it's going to be keen to see what happens come draft time or, or how it performs. But obviously, um, it's it's a choice by her to go up there. Um, loves footy, so we'll see how it goes down. Uh, for those looking for a ruck, the very serviceable uh, Nicole McMahon is available. Also going through the list, uh, the leading tackler in the VFLW is Taylor Denuccio of the Western Bulldogs. And this is what Sean Kavanagh had to say about her. Oh, look, Swifty is a, a wonderful leader. You know, she's, she's the quietest and gentlest person you'll ever meet off the ground, an absolute gem, but she's an absolute demon on the ground. You know, her tackling pressures, I think she leads the competition by plenty in regards to, to tackle. So her influence on our contest has been really important and just her willingness to do, just do the team things and, and she's loved by our girls and uh, both AFL and VFL for what she gives. Uh, week in, week out, and uh, yeah, we're we're really proud of her this year. It'd be interesting to see what clubs are in the market for that inside tackling mid. Yeah, well, we saw last year Hayley Bullis was one that obviously um, was phenomenal with her tackling, didn't get there, and now she has. And, and and this is the whole thing with the tackling players. It's always interesting how they rate them, but 
for me, if you're a young developing side, particularly if you're like a, a Saints or a Richmond, wanting to get those bigger bodies around players that perhaps you're going to draft in and get a lot of young kids, as we've seen with the Bulldogs with some of their youngsters, it just helps because it means you've got someone there winning the ball, um, doing all the hard things, the team things, and a real good leader in there. Another midfielder available is the Western Bulldogs' Ali Gavalis. Again, here's Western Bulldogs VFLW coach Sean Kavanagh. Look, Ali's come from uh, from the amateurs this year, and, you know, she was an excitement machine. I mentioned her in the preseason uh, preview as well, and she's got better and better. She's had the AFL girls working around uh, within that group, and she's really holding her own. And she knows she's got different areas to continue to work on, but she finds the footy, she's dynamic, she's willing to learn and, and you know, put in those extras that need to, to be put into place to, to really round out her game. So we're really excited for her at the back end of the year. And hopefully, um, draft-wise, it'll be fantastic if she gets an opportunity somewhere. And as Sean mentioned about amateur football, over the last year or two, we're now starting to really see some good quality footballers come through the VAFA, then get picked up by the VFLW before going on to AFLW. Yeah, it's great to see a pathway in place. And it's only going to grow as it gets bigger and stronger. And uh, it means uh, that players who might be dominating at that slightly lower level can actually go, I think I can match it with the best at that level. Um, They're probably the next group down from the VFLW. So for them, they get the chance. And if they can match it, then that gives uh, AFLW clubs the chance to go, yep, I think they can make the next step again and um, gives them a, a real good opportunity to get on an AFLW list. And for clubs looking for a small defender, uh, Sean Kavanagh highlighted Vamua Lalofi. Yes, Mua, Mua has been a ripper. She's come back from uh, an ACL injury. So she had, um, you know, 12 months out of the game and it's just been brilliant through her um, her rehab. She started the year late, but it's just found her feet down back. And she was dynamic against um, the Thunder down in Ballarat. So that is the look at the Western Bulldogs. We move on now to one of the new clubs in the AFLW, their second year in the VFLW program in the Richmond uh, Tigers. Talk us through the Murray Bush Rangers player in Tegan Brett, who's on uh, Richmond's list. Yeah, well, it, she's a really humble player. It's quite interesting because we interviewed her at the start of the year and we said, oh, you know, uh, tell us your story. What else have you played? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I played a bit of netball and whatnot and then came into footy. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did a bit of digging. Turns out she's played cricket for Australia didn't, didn't didn't mention that at all and I went that's amazing like how did you not like how do you yeah. not mention that kind of thing so it's actually remarkable she's a really humble player obviously there's not much of her she's sub 160 so um, she's a player that just loves the contest loves the footy we saw her in a debut she kicked three goals um, she's a player that I think um, Richmond would have to be looking at and, and, and considering um, she's just a natural sports person, as we can see, playing across multiple sports. She loves tackling, loves kicking goals. Um, played through the midfield and down back as well for the Murray Bush Rangers, so she can play pretty much anywhere, which is really handy. So um, I always believe if you you know if you're good enough, you're tall enough, and and hopefully she gets a chance. Other Richmond players to look at include Shayla Marsh, who was originally on the Collingwood VFLW list. Uh, she's looking for a second crack at it through Richmond. Yeah, Richmond, uh, and that's the reason why they improved so much, particularly in the first half of the season. They've got quite a bit of experience there from other clubs, if not just AFLW as well as VFLW. So it's really good to see those players come there. And that's the advantage of the Richmond and Southern Saints, the fact that these players that might not have quite made the cut from other AFLW clubs or those that perhaps were delisted can go, I'm going to come over there, have a crack, see if I can get a second shot. Um, and it's a great chance to do so. Jess Kennedy, I'm surprised Richmond haven't done a pre-signing for. She was their best and fairest in the VFLW last year. 
didn't poll that well this year. But still, you'd be thinking her leadership around the club, a solid, consistent footballer. Okay, along the AFLW level, is not going to be the absolute star of the competition, but you need that bottom six. And she's someone who's been around for a while, come through the Bendigo Thunder. You'd be thinking, oh, yeah, Richmond, no-brainer, Richmond signs her. She's out there at the moment. I've got a feeling she's kind of like a Jess Edwards last year who Captain Collingwood VFLW end up getting pinched by Carlton. I reckon Jess is headed off elsewhere. Yeah, and that, and that quite uh, looks likely at this stage, the fact that they haven't signed her. And as you said, having the bottom six, I think when it comes to winning a premiership, the bottom six is just as important as having those, say, elite talents in the top because at the end of the day, if the elite talents aren't performing and you don't have that bottom six in place, you can fall away. Where if, say, you don't have that elite couple of players, but you've got a terrific team across the board and your bottom six is stronger, generally that's the one that wins premiership. So you need those players that are able to do that, and she can perform a role even above that. So it'll be interesting to see if a club does take a punt on her. Also on the Richmond list to consider looking at, uh, if you're looking for a tall centre-half forward or it can move up to the wing in Jenna Colwell, originally out of St Kilda Sharks. If you're looking for a small forward, consider Hannah Ibrahim, who's been around for a number of years at uh, Melbourne University. Um, went away from there, looked for a change of scene and ended up at Richmond. Yeah, well, it was interesting talking to Scott Gowans. They actually sort of moved her there because um, they said, look, this is the best chance for your um, opportunity. Obviously, we know North Melbourne's forward line is ridiculous. Um, So the fact that Scott Gowan said, look, this is probably the best move for you, and he did that with a couple of others that you've seen move from Melbourne Uni. It's about getting them drafted or getting them, um, uh, I guess, the best possible development in, uh, in place to get drafted. And they've moved her on to Richmond and she's done a terrific job there and hopefully uh, she that pays off and she does get a chance. You're listening to AFLW Draft Inside, a special production of The Final Siren by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. We'll be back in a moment. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. Let's focus on Melbourne University, who, of course, are the North Melbourne AFLW Line Club. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to AFLW Draft Insight, produced by the Final Siren Podcast at draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Uh, We begin first by looking at three players in Katie Angelis, Ellie Runnels and Vivian Saad. First of all, here are the comments from their coach, Scott Gowans. It's hard at North because you're really drafting to what you need. I wish we needed another forward because I, th- I really believe Katie Angelis, if she could just have a big pre-season, um, get herself super fit, I think she could be a real player. Um, but Ellie Runnels off the wings, another one. Um, they, but they're just not the types 
that we need. We're, we're kind of more in the in the market for for a ruck and for for a back. There's Viv Sard as well in the in the ruck, who's an undersized ruck. I think she could probably move up to playing a key position, maybe centre half back in the in the AFLW. But again, we just don't need those types. So it's 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 frustrating, but it's also good because I do know that other clubs have contacted them and uh, are speaking to them, and we we gladly hand over their GPS and whatever data they want because. You know, part of my role is to get as many girls drafted as I, as I can as well. Yeah, yeah. When I talked to him, that's exactly sort of what he was saying to me. It's terrific to see him so open too. That like a lot of coaches won't want to sort of offer that up. Um, but that's what I love about the, I guess, the female football space at that level. The fact that they're going, look, we're putting our egos aside. Um, we're not looking, look, we want to win. Of course, that's that's terrific and we want to do as well as we can. But at the end of the day, we're a development pathway. We want to get as many girls drafted. We want to grow the game to have the best possible players playing. I think we've got someone who is good enough to play at AFLW level. We just don't need them. And we're really open with that. They know that. Um, we're trying to play them in positions that other clubs can want. And I know there's been players that he's asked about that, uh, or that other clubs have asked about to him, can you play them in this role? Um, and then he's done that to try and see if they might want to draft them come um, draft night. So hopefully that happens. Um, but certainly he's got quite a bit of talent there that I guess they don't need. But um, look, it, it's great to see that you know they're working together and he's just trying to get as many players drafted, which at the end of the day is the goal for everyone. Vivian Sand is the one that impresses me the most. She, as as Scott said, an undersized ruck, you know, gives a really good contest. It'll be interesting to see what club takes her and tries to... I don't think we'll try and develop her as a centre-half forward, even though she can kick goals. I think they'll probably have a defensive mindset and try and develop her as a centre-half back. But just gives a good, hard, honest contest game after game. And it's it's disappointing that Scott doesn't need her, but that's the reality. They need certain type of players. And um, let's hope she doesn't get lost in the wash in the draft, which sometimes can happen. So uh, fingers crossed there for Vivian Saad. Um, I'm going to get your thoughts in a moment on uh, Western Jets footballer Cleo Saxon-Jones, who's run around for Melbourne University. But here are some comments from Melbourne University and North Melbourne AFLW assistant coach Lauren Moorcroft on Cleo. Cleo Saxon has probably had just about three or four games with us now, having the academy breaks and then nationals as well in there. You'll see her. We know what she can really do. She's a big frame for her size. Um, I'd really like to see her clunk it and take a few marks at centre-half forward. We hope to hope, you know, take her into um, our winter program again next year depending but I would like to think that she'd get picked up well and truly she's she's pretty good she's pretty good 18 year old yeah look best contested marking uh, under 18s player that I saw um, from the Victorian pool certainly look she had things to work on there were consistency and whatnot probably didn't help a great deal that she was at the Jets only because she played forward and uh, in fairness the Jets they didn't get her forward a lot but she'd push up the ground she'd work hard her work rate's phenomenal she'd keep doing it sometimes she's a bit of a gentle giant I feel like sometimes she doesn't want to um, crash packs as much as she could she's starting to develop that Um, she's always been able to clunk marks with ease Um, she hits the scoreboard generally a pretty good kick for goal Um, she can kick it 55 60 meters so she's as as good as any player a male female anything in terms of her distance Um, she's really that old school uh, key position forward and to be honest I'd be shocked if someone didn't pick her up she's um, if you want a key position player, she's the one that you just lock in. And, and certainly it showed playing for Vic Metro as well as the Jets and now Melbourne Uni. One player I'm shocked that um, isn't there on an AFLW list at the moment, former Collingwood footballer and Holly Whitford. She ended up playing the season with Melbourne University. And this is what Lauren Moorcroft had to say of Holly. 
Holly Whitford, I think, has been outstanding and should hopefully pick up a place on an AFL list and we'd love to have her at North Melbourne. And players like that really complement like your midfield and your forward group particularly. And she's the type of player that could slip late in the draft that North could swoop on. Yeah, and, and Shocked is a perfect example. I was shocked when um, Collingwood did delist her because I thought she'd done enough. Obviously, she wasn't a, a complete best 22 every single week, but she, um, you know, she just offered tackling pressure. She just applied defensive pressure all the time. She played pretty well. I would have had her ahead of uh, a number of others just purely because of her upside as well. She's still young. So, you know, came out of the gippy power and um, performed strongly. So just a real good defensive midfielder. And we talk about that bottom six. She's a player that is in that group that really offers something that can go forward and, and provide a role. Other players available from Melbourne University to be picked up, including former Wilston Grange Gorilla out of the QAFLW competition, now playing at Melbourne University in Courtney Daniak, if you're looking for a defender. Also looking for defenders, former Western Bulldogs footballer Kim Ebb, of course, moved there because her partner, Kate Gillespie-Jones, plays there at Melbourne University, been solid across the back line for them. Questions might be about her age, but hey, she played in a premiership for Hawthorne in VFLW last year and is certainly worth having a look at. And the player that I call the Tilly Lucas Rod clone in Caitlin Cox. Looks very similar to her. Played very similar to the way that Tilly played in the midfield. That uh, tagging type role. Um, Originally out of Pasco Vale. Then through Seaford. Been through a number of clubs. uh, Including Carlton last year. Trying to get a shot. Somehow just can't find a spot on the list. Yeah, when I was doing a bit of recruiting for the Bulldogs a couple of years ago and she was playing at Seaford. She was a name on their list. So she's been on the list of clubs uh, for a couple of years. Obviously not the tallest player again, but she look, she she just keeps going at it. She she loves the contest, loves getting around, wins the ball, plays a role. Um, she's someone that will no doubt be on club's list again. It'll just be whether or not they can pick her up um, this year. Uh, I, I hope they do because she's put in a, a few years of really good work. Rounding out the sides that finished in the top six during the home and away season of the VFLW competition include the Geelong Cats. This is where it all gets interesting because obviously with Geelong, as we know, they've got that exclusive zone. If, if someone nominates for the Geelong pool, that's it, Geelong get them. You know, it, it's it's a fake complete. If Geelong want them, obviously. If they go into the general uh, Victoria wide, then it's a competitive uh a competitive task for Geelong to get them. So let's go through the Falcons players because they've got a lot there to choose from before the obvious father-daughter. Four names that uh, pop up straight away. Lucy McAvoy, Luca Losky, Hay, Paige Shepard and Mia Skinner. Yeah, and they're all four different types of players, which is really interesting to see. Um, They may be limited in uh, who they end up picking up. They might not go for all of them. Obviously, Lucy McAvoy, she's just an absolute star. Like, she's a player that, you know, you can rely on. She's been captain at 16. You know, she went through that group that had your Nina Morrisons, your Liv Purcells. She captained all them. Um, Yeah, it's her third year captain as under-18s at the Falcons. Uh, Can play midfield, back, forward. Can pinch hit in the ruck. She can play anywhere. Um, She can kick long, more than 50 metres. She can... You know, she gets back, helps her teammate, great leader. She's often tag. I know they're not allowed to tag in the under-18s, but she's defensively minded nearly every week and just gets on with it. Just absolute, terrific, outstanding player. Now, this is Lucy McAvoy speaking to Tom King at the Geelong Falcons presentation night after winning back-to-back club best and fairest. It was an amazing experience. As I said before, um, it wasn't my best game with really, but... It's, I had so much fun. It's a different experience to junior girls and you've got bigger bodies and to play against the likes of Katie Brennan and 
Mon Conti, who are playing for Richmond, is pretty incredible. Luka Lazowski hay who's another midfielder. Look, she's got areas to work on. She's that inside midfielder who can play outside as well. Kicking needs a bit of work, but, you know, she wins truckloads of the ball, never has any issues finding it, gets to space. Um, Paige Shepard, uh, sort of small in stature, but she, she packs a punch, doesn't mind tackling, terrific vision, loves to slice up um, the defensive zone, able to hit up targets on a 45-degree kick, which is so hard for a lot of players to be able to do. So she's a player that really stood up for Vic Country at the championships. And then Mia Skin is one that um, I'm really excited about. She was one of the top goal kickers this season. You know, she um, for the Falcons, she just does something miraculous every time she goes near it. She got injured towards the end of the NAB League girls season, missed out on her chance to go to champs. But look, She's just so talented. She can kick goals that very few can, um, just find space. And the moment that she's goal side and, and got the ball in front of her, no one's going to get her. So a good size as well. Um, and, yeah, she's just able to hit the scoreboard so regularly. And, of course, there is the father-daughter selection available there. Millie Brown out of the Murray Bush Rangers. Yeah, remarkable story. Like, she's come from... Uh, obviously the daughter of Paul, and she's one that had a really good bottom age year and she stepped it up this year. Um, a lot of her teammates from last year left because they were top age, so she had to lead a really, really young Murray side and at times they were uh, uh, overwhelmed. She missed round one and they got smashed and then she came back and just provided that bit of composure a bit of experience, and then from there she was able to really go on, had a terrific season. She plays sort of centre-half back, half-back, can play through the midfield though, um, really long kick, probably the best interceptor in the game or, or available from the under-18s. Um, and if there was one player that you could be certain is going to Geelong, it, it's Millie Brown because, remember, Murray obviously come under the Richmond father-son or father-daughter catchment, and... Um, uh, or, or the zone catchment. Zone catchment. Yeah, I knew yeah. I was going to hit there eventually. Um, the zone catchment. And, uh, yeah, and so Richmond would have pre-listed her, I can 100% guarantee, if she wasn't going to Geelong um, because she's the best player in that catchment. So the fact that they didn't means that I'm 100% certain she's going to Geelong. I'll look at a couple of the Geelong senior listed women's footballers who are probably going to find themselves in a predicament. Um, Jamie Woollett and Madison McGuire are both originally out of the old North Geelong Magpies, come through the system with the Geelong Cats, have been playing VFLW football, been very consistent footballers at VFLW level. Um, in a draft situation, if they nominate just for Geelong, yeah, normally if there's uh, seven or more picks, they'd be a, a deep in the draft type of pick of, yep, this, this is talent just to top up to the draft that uh, will more play in the VFLW, but are there in case of emergencies if we need for AFLW that can do the job. The problem for them at the moment is I believe Geelong have five picks in the draft. And no doubt, considering the, the, the youngsters that you talked about through the NAB League girls, I think Geelong are just going to go for the full five youngsters. It puts a predicament with Jamie Willett and Madison Maguire, and if Geelong have maybe had the conversation with them saying, if you're going into the draft, you really need to nominate Victoria wide. Yeah, and that's what you hope that they do with all, all the Geelong players, the fact that you give them their interest, and they might go, look, we're interested in McAvoy and Brown, for example. Um, no doubt they'll, they'll take them. And then after that, it'll be a case of um, the interest base, and then they, they'll have discussions with those players saying, look, we're keen on you, but it's probably worth maybe nominating Vic wide, perhaps they get there. Or maybe, for all we know, they might end up moving. They've got a job in Melbourne, something like that, and they end up going Metro or, or, or 
perhaps if they're willing to, they end up going into state like some have in the past. So um, it really comes down to the individual. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting draft for Geelong. Now, since we spoke about Matty McGuire, actually, Matty McMahon uh, from the Cats AFLW list was speaking with GoFooty.Live a couple of months ago. And she was talking about the good year being put in by uh, Matty McGuire as well as Amy McDonald and was hoping that both of them would get picked up in the draft. Mads McGuire, who's been playing really well. So um, Mads and Amy McDonald, um, they've both been playing well. So, yeah, I'd definitely been looking looking at them if I was the coaches, but we'll just see how it depends on the draft and things like other things like that. So, But if they keep playing well for the rest of the season, I think there'll be a chance, yeah. I do wonder, and we'll get obviously into draft picks later on, if this will be the last of Geelong having its own standalone pool, particularly, A, if they get that much talent, and B, you can make the argument that travelling from Melbourne to Geelong is actually slightly quicker than travelling from Melbourne to Casey Fields, where Melbourne are based out of. And it could almost be the argument from Melbourne of, well, if Geelong can get the whole western side of Victoria type of deal, well, why can't we have Gippsland? Yeah, and that's interesting. And I think Geelong know that too, because I know that I'd heard um, previously uh, that uh, Geelong thought that this might be their last year that they get it, particularly because they want to keep expanding and eventually get to a draft where you've got an uncompromised draft across the whole nation. So, uh, And that'll be the dream. Uh, but right now, obviously, they've got those um, compensations in place, and it's probably a good year when you've got McAvoy and Brown as potentially their you know, top five picks. Now, the Hawthorne Football Club uh, under Patrick Hill, they continue to produce good footballers. They are standalone, so everyone like Seagulls in a hot chip can jump in and take what they like out of the Hawks. Yeah, and we saw that last year. But, uh, like, obviously, we saw Jade Van Dyke was one who, you know, one rising star and then Carlton plucked her up and obviously Hawthorne not having that AFLW list, there's not much they can do, but it was great to see a return there. Um, and, you know, Hawthorne have been a great development pathway and similar to Scott Gowans, look, Patrick Hill's a great motivator, great coach. He'll be wanting to develop them for the future and his goal will be to try and get as many of them drafted as he can. Talk me through some of the Eastern Rangers players that have played for the Hawks. I'll begin first of all with Laura McClellan. Yeah, look, she's a, she's been a talent for a number of years now. She really started as a tall tall forward and then went into the midfield um can play defense as well she played a bit in defense at times this year um she's a player with a a nice long kick not always accurate it's the one area that she needs to sort of scrub up on her is a um disposal but certainly she's a really strong mark she moves around the ground um hard to move she's a really good position um player she's able to just hold her ground and take grabs um really strong and look she'll be someone who i think after an All-Australian selection this year, um, after a great Vic Metro Carnival, uh, she'll be one that most clubs will have their eye on. As you said, tall, good, might be a kick. You could almost be describing Serena Gibbs as well from Hawthorne, a very similar player I saw her in the game against uh, Melbourne University. Uh, absolutely outstanding. We thought, hey, where did this player come from? Yeah, well, she came from the VNL. Um, she uh, first proper year playing footy. She's played some school footy and whatnot before. Um, but she came straight from netball, and it was quite remarkable. I know um, uh, Jessie Mulholland, the Eastern Rangers female talent manager, said at the start of the year she's one to watch because she came on really quickly in the preseason. Um, obviously tall, strong, as you mentioned, um, can play through the ruck, play forward, able to kick a goal. Um, still raw, but certainly she's got that talent. She's got that size. Um, quite smart for a player coming into footy straight off netball. So she's definitely one, obviously overage as well. So that 19-year-old rule, that's why she didn't play at the champs. Um, but she was one of the better rucks in uh, this year's uh, Nab League girls. So it'll be interesting to see how 
um, that translates into the future. This is what Hawthorne coach Patrick Hill had to say about Serena Gibbs. She's such a tough matchup. She's, um, you know, she's as tall as any of those girls, but she runs as quick as any of our smalls, and she's really agile. I think she's up to maybe now 12 games of football ever, and, and when you watch her, you, you, you couldn't believe that. She just has a natural flair for the game. She marks really strongly, and, and importantly, she, I saw her kick one against Melbourne Uni. She kicked it from about 40 to 45 out and did it on the bit. Like, yeah. she, had, she just lent into it, and it sailed through goalpost height. So she can really kick a footy, and, and I think in women's footy, anyone that can actually roost the ball distance is going to be really, really valuable going forward. Now, if Patrick Hill's excited about a player, that means the recruiters have got to be excited about her. Yeah, exactly. And she's come on so quickly in such a short space of time that um, I know she's got the capability of playing uh, both sports, but obviously if, if those comments are anything to go by, uh, netball is probably in the... Uh, the, the background and now footy's definitely the, the main focus and it's great to see that's how they've got to get them and um, look she's a terrific prospect. One player that we spoke about last year and we're scratching our heads that she didn't get picked up was Olivia Flanagan. Yeah she's been one that uh, I think she actually made all Australian team once as um, under 18s, missed out, she's come back and, and you know she's had another good season, still up up for offer, obviously. So she's I think now had a couple of years where she hasn't quite got picked up, but she keeps on winning the ball, keeps on being consistent, keeps on being up there with the best in the side. Um, she can't really do too much more. So hopefully a club does actually take a chance on her, but obviously there's some areas they wanted to work on. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she goes uh, come draft time. This is what Patrick Hill had to say about Olivia Flanagan. Probably the stiffest out there not to already be on a list is Olivia, Flan- Olivia Flanagan, who um, you know had a great under-18s year, had a really good carnival, but that there wasn't too many drafted because there was no new teams in that first year. And I think what happens if they don't go in that first year, um, they sort of get forgotten about a little bit. Bit. But um, her, her talent level is uh, through the roof. She's um, really quick. She's got great goal-kicking um, ability. You know, really good above her head. And um, yeah, she should just absolutely be on an AFL list right now. Another player that should be on an AFLW list from her season with the Hawthorne Football Club has been Rosie Dillon. Yeah, look, she's been another one that's had really consistent seasons, and you could say that about quite a few Hawthorne players. They've had a good good year. Um, obviously. They missed out on playing finals, but they, you know, they they had a really consistent year, and she's been one that um, has stood up and put together a strong season that surely AFLW clubs will uh, take note of. Once again, here's Patrick Hill. I think Rosie Dillon's been outstanding this year. I think she's uh, number one or two for clearances. Um, you know, we lost Emma Mackey at the start of the year um, to, to St Kilda, and uh, we really needed someone's going to win the hardball and, and use it really well out of it, coming out of stoppage, and she's been that and more. And she kicks goals, she covers the ground really well. It's been big shoes to fill, as said, filling in for Emma Mackey and also filling in for Dutchie Kai, who they both lost. Yeah, and that's a that's a lot of experience to lose through that midfield group. So for Rosie Dillon to stand up and, and take on that role, um, no doubt he'll be saying those exact comments to any recruiters that come and ask about her. So, look, she's been doing it on the park and off the park, obviously, so it's going to be interesting. Another player that Patrick's been talking up has been Ebony Nixon. Ebony Nixon, um, you know, is, is probably sure to be picked up this year in the draft, half-back flanker the marks really well. Indeed, um, that's one player to keep an eye on. Others will watch is Jess Sibley off the back line as well. Uh, Talia Ratton, who was delisted by uh, Melbourne, is available for them to pick up. You've got Tamara Luke, who's the captain of Hawthorne, plays as a key position forward. She's out there on the list. And then you've got three interesting names that are a more mature players. You've got Chantala Pereira. She was the 
best on ground in the grand final last year. Stood up on the big occasion. Elite athlete, former basketball, actually still playing basketball. And you'd go, okay, yeah, absolute certainty to get picked up. And then when you find out that she doesn't, you go, excuse me, hello, did, did, did everyone lose her phone number? Yeah, no, it was, she obviously performed so strongly on, on the biggest day, but um, for one reason or another, the, the clubs obviously forgot about her or chose not to, to go down that uh, line of drafting. So, um, look, she's come back to her credit, had another good season. Hopefully um, she's done enough now to uh, put her name in a, a recruiter's book. Also, there's Sarah Perkins, and Sarah may be a victim of the changing style of women's football. Of course, it was all about the key forward when we talked Moana, we talked KB, and we talked Sarah back in the original season. And all of a sudden, it's about that smaller type forward, as we've seen with Jamie Lambert winning the Rowena Young medal in the VFLW. I guess the the question is going to be, for the former Adelaide Crows Premiership player, um, is a Victorian club going to take a gamble on her? Because I think, honestly, for Sarah, for her luck she's going to be waiting to very late in the draft if a club goes okay we're going to take a gamble because uh, nothing upon her skill and her effort it's just the 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 changing style of forward lines they're looking to yeah i think that's across the board in both men's and women's footy in the sense that you're looking for more athletes players that can run up and down the ground roam offer something different maybe go into the midfield you've seen with kb obviously she can push up the ground, take a strong mark, then work back and whatnot. And I guess Mo Hope uh, and Sarah Perkins were both more uh, the stay-at-home forwards, the ones that would kick truckloads of goals um, and be that damaging forward. But with the changing uh, game style, as you mentioned, then, you know, they're looking for the athlete. And unfortunately, yeah, she's been the victim of that and uh, missed out. Uh, the, the, The thing that worries me for Sarah, and I do hope that she does get picked up, but the thing that worries me is she had an outstanding game against Melbourne Uni. I saw that that day. Absolutely, without doubt, best on ground. Up forward, pushed a little bit up the ground, did some ruck work as well, was just brilliant. But that was the thing. It was one great game. And at this level, they're looking for a little bit more consistency. And that's what I worry about Sarah Perkins. She needed to have a string of two or three of those together to make people go, Yep, let's go. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. At VFLW level, when you've come back from an AFLW premiership in the fir- first season, you know, really been a strong contributor there, you'd almost wanted to win the leading goal kicker practically. Like, you'd want to yeah. absolutely dominate yeah. at that level. Yeah, you, you want someone of her character as well back, back at the top of the AFLW. But again, if, if any chance, it, it's a later round draft pick. Another player that may be a later, later round draft pick that's looking to be picked up is Kirby Bentley. And, and it's funny that we say that because... Eight years ago, people were talking about Kirby Bentley being the best in the country, saying an absolute Rolls Royce, and then the injuries came. Yeah, and, and she's had quite a journey since then. So, being a bit unlucky, um, finds herself obviously back at the VFLW list for Hawthorne. Hopefully, she can get a list. She's obviously got the talent. It's just uh, hopefully she can hold up. Here's Patrick Hill. She's still still getting that fitness back from from having a couple of years of uh, injury. So that we can't sort of we can't play her where we would like to or where she would like to at this stage. But um, you know that up high at half back and letting her read the play and bring other people into it, she can be uh, quite damaging. To be fair, she actually did get better near the end of the year and really started to come into things. So, again, it'll be interesting to see if a club takes a gamble on her, particularly if you're uh, – I'd I'd even say the Southern Saints, like a a Peter Searle type, because you'd be thinking, even if she doesn't play a game and you hope that she plays a game, 
it'd be good to have someone of her experience and leadership around a young club that's just starting out. So it's good to have her in the background and available. Oh, sure. I, I reckon with the expansion, and we know that obviously with any expansion in any sport, it's obviously going to dilute the pool a bit more. And you need those players that have that experience that can go, look, we know you can play at the level. If you get your body right, you can be terrific. Um, obviously, if you don't, then you still provide leadership off off the field. So it's really great to see. And hopefully she can get a role at one of those clubs or any club uh, to give her a chance back at the top level. And on that note, we'll end part one of our look at the Victorians that could be taken in the AFL Women's Draft this October 22nd. VFLW clubs that we're still going to have a look at include the Casey Demons, Essendon, Darabin, Carlton and Weemstown will be covering those clubs in part two of AFLW Draft Insight Victorians edition. We'll also be looking in that edition at the NAB League girls players that did not play in the VFLW. And I should make note for the NT Thunder, who have actually ended their time uh, in the VFLW competition after two seasons, we'll be looking at the NT Thunder footballers in our non-Victorians edition. So look after that. October 22nd, AFLW Draft Day. It's going to be a huge day. Peter Williams from draftcentral.com.au. Your crew are going to have a massive day on social media covering that can you explain what fans have to look forward to at draftcentral.com.au on October 22nd? Yeah, so we'll definitely be covering the entire draft. And, you know, like last year, we did pick by pick, having follow-up interviews with all the top 10 players and um, just getting involved out there and, and trying to bring you all the best on uh, our social media at Draft Central Oz AUS. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a really exciting time and I love draft time. So it's a great time to be around and checking out all the prospects. Peter Williams, thanks again for your time and we look forward to your company in the next episode. No worries at all. Thanks. Great to be here. You've been listening to AFLW Draft Insight, a special edition of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and by Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Bye for now.